Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude. Dude. Well, uh, I wouldn't say this week went as planned. (laughs) (laughs) All I can say is, uh, after talking to some of uh, our lovely listeners on Twitch, I'm glad the NHL doesn't have a relegation system. (laughs) Otherwise, the Sharks would be there. They would be in danger of falling down to the next league, losing all three games this week, two of them pretty badly. Uh, there's not a lot of bright spots for the Sharks right now, dude. No, there's not, dude. You know, I just want to I want to say that uh, we, we've upgraded our equipment uh, thanks to your uh, insistence and uh, technological <laughs> knowledge here. I've got a microphone from the Dudes on Hockey studio here, uh, and um, I, I'm just... I'm, I'm, my back is feeling uh, all 45 years of its age. So, dude, I'm now holding the mic stand in my, and balancing it on my stomach <laughs> while I lean back in the chair. But most importantly, how's the sound? The sound is so much better. I got to be honest with you. It doesn't sound Good. like you're in a, in a cavernous room and uh, with echoes everywhere. So, it, it sounds like we're actually trying. <laughs> we are trying. <laughs> we are trying. And, you know, um, and I think, you know, uh, our favorite Sharks writer, Kevin Kurz, would, would say the statistics say that the Sharks are trying, too, in the last nine games. But unfortunately, they got nothing to show for it, dude. Yeah. They got nothing to show for it. Um, you know, good effort against the Avalanche, followed by a, a stinker. And then uh, good efforts uh, for in most areas against Vegas, getting a point, followed by a stinker. So, uh, dude, consistency is not, uh, it's not the shark's mojo. Certainly not. And, and I think everyone is now looking directly at the goaltending. Kevin Kurz releases an article even today saying, this has got to be it for Martin Jones, right? (laughs) This has got to be it. Yes. And certainly there were plenty of, uh, comments, uh, negative, hardly any positive, uh, last night when we were actually streaming during the game on Twitch. And thank you again to the people who joined us. Uh, It certainly seems difficult for a team like the Sharks that are not loaded with top-end scoring talent to be competitive in this league when both of your goaltenders are, frankly, terrible, uh, statistically. (laughs) Uh, And that's what we've seen. Um, You know, the Vegas game that the Sharks were close managed to squeak out a point. Martin Jones gave up three goals on eight shots. I mean, the, the Sharks were out of it like immediately. And, and to their credit, they sort of clawed their way back and managed to tie the game and lost in overtime. But but still, under different circumstances, with even a league average goaltender, you'd think, okay, the Sharks might have won that game. And as it was, they were just super lucky to even get a point out of it. Yeah, I think you could probably make a reasonable argument that the Sharks could be in that fourth spot right now, if they had a league average goaltender, 
that you know the, the bottom end of the Pacific is so poor that <laughs> yeah. if you had a league average goaltender, that you know if you're playing if you if you're a position player on this team and you're suiting up every night, you just can't feel good about the production you expect to get in net. And how are you supposed to keep coming back night after night if we see, you know, two really weak glove, you know, misses last night from Dubnik. Yep. And then, you know, probably the worst of them all on the third goal against Vegas from Jones. Holy smokes. Like, that can't, can't happen. It can't happen, dude. And I agree. I think that if... I would like to see Doug Wilson put his foot down now and say, this is it. This is enough. This was a mistake. We couldn't have known that this would be how this would turn out. It, But we are going to put him through waivers and he is done, right? He is not going to play again unless it's an emergency. And... You know, you you have a couple of choices. You can put him on the Tasty Squad, or you can put him on the Barracuda, I guess, and see if he can play his way back into form at the AHL level. But then you're sort of robbing your own young players of playing time. What do you do here, dude? I think you do just what you said, dude. I mean, you can't send the message that you can play this poorly and still continue to get starts. I just don't understand it. I mean, you get you get somebody off the waiver wire, you get a young up-and-comer in the AHL, you do whatever you got to do to get a guy that deserves some playing time. If that's Melnichuk, fine. If that's Coronar, fine. Whoever. You know, we've talked multiple times and talked again last night about how the Sharks, for whatever reason, let Alex Stalock pass them by, a guy who is well-liked. Uh, by which I thought there was an interesting. I mean, I didn't think about this, dude, but I think Kevin Curse pointed it out well that I mean, Alex Stalock took Devin Dubnik's job in Minnesota, <laughs> and now you're going to bring him in here, like where Dubnik's only been here for you know 20 yeah. games. Like, I mean, I could see that maybe that's not kosher, you know, if you're trying to give this guy a chance. But if you care that much about giving Devin Dubnik a chance, then let him play. Yeah. Let him play five games in a row and see what happens. Cause he's, it's been a one-off, right? Like right. he's, he's, he comes in in the middle of games cause Martin Jones is so bad that he gets pulled and then he plays the next game. Let him try and get a rhythm, see what happens. That's the next step to me. You've got to see what Dubnik can do with a string of games in a row. And while you're doing that, you need to decide whether or not one of the guys you have currently in the system is an acceptable replacement if Dubnik fails, or if you need to go out on the trade market and find a inexpensive, low-risk flyer to see if you strike gold. You know, like you said, someone else's third or fourth string goalie like you look at a team like the New York Rangers right like they've got two young goalies like if they have a and I don't know I I don't know if they have a good goalie at the AHL level but if they do that guy is blocked right he's not coming in he's not going anywhere right so you know if you have you know depth if someone has organizational depth and they've been blocked 
well, then maybe you can get a player like that for, you know, a pick or another young player in, in, in exchange, right? They've got to start looking at that because this is, it's unacceptable at this point. Yeah, this just can't happen. It, it can't happen. I, I'm sorting based on the save percentage and goalie statistics. And, and this also includes, keep in mind, a lot of goaltenders that have played one game, two games, six games, five games, and so on. But Martin Jones is 67th right now in the NHL in save percentage. There's only one goaltender that has more than 10 starts that is worse. That's Marcus Hogberg of the league-worst Ottawa Senators. Um, and everybody else is actually kind of interesting. The bottom of this table is littered with Sharks and ex-Sharks. Right below Martin Jones is Aaron Dell, who has played three games for the New Jersey Devils with an 877 save percentage, only slightly worse than Martin Jones' 879. Only two spots above Martin Jones is ex-Shark Carter Hutton for the Buffalo Sabres at 883. One above Carter Hutton is ex-Shark Thomas Grice playing for Detroit with an 885. And then only a couple spots above that is Devin Dubnik with an 890 save percentage. I mean, these are just, these are terrible numbers. These are terrible, terrible numbers. And when is the last time the Sharks had an elite goalie? Uh, it's been a long time, right, yeah, dude? Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think that Martin Jones played in stretches, uh, especially during the cup run. At a very high level, absolutely, right? Absolutely. But even before that, I mean, Auntie Niemi, there were problems. Like that, he was not, yeah, great, great, and struggled sometimes even to just be good, right? Um, you know, for a team that I guess maybe it's been a misconception that goaltending has been a strength of the Sharks, because actually in recent years it has not. No, and you know, this is enough is enough. Three. Below league average, and not just below league average, but like league worst yeah. performances from Martin Jones. This has got to be it. If he wants to have any credibility with the rest of the guys on this team and with his coach, frankly, who's just got to be exasperated by some of the roster options that are available to him, that, you know, you've got to try and do something else. Giving Dubnik an extended run is the first option, but I think the only way that you accomplish that, you you wave Martin Jones. Yeah, I, I don't see under what conditions this guy, I, unless you know you keep him around because Dubnik had an injury. But you're right; you, he can't get any more starts. Like what if if he gets another start right away? I just I don't understand it. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And and it's see, stubbornness, dude. It's just this. They're, they're, if that's the case, then they are just, they have convinced themselves that somehow he is going to fix himself. And we've been hearing that story now for two seasons, ever since he had his first bad season. Right. They've tried many different things. It isn't working. He's not an NHL level goalie anymore. It's time to go. If you want to have any credibility with this roster of players who, you know, by all accounts, you know, the Sharks locker room is still a fragile place. Work in progress. Yeah. This can't be helping. No. It can't be helping. 
that that you you know your your organization is just continuing to throw out Swiss cheese. Yeah. Like yeah. they got to try and do something. So the first way to make that statement to all players and that would include all of the underperforming long-term contracts say hey Martin Jones thank you for your time. We're going to pay you, right? Well, but yeah. you know, but you're not going to play anymore. So uh, you're going to the taxi squad and everybody else just know that that could be you too, right? right. Mm-hmm. That w- we're going to, we'll pay you, we'll honor the contract. But if you stink, then you have to wear the embarrassment, the cone of shame that comes with, you know, you know, and we've seen other players recently who've been put in this position guys who have had good NHL careers like like David Backus and Andrew Ladd like they have signed these long-term deals and they were not up for it anymore and the organizations made the tough call to basically tell them thank you but no thank you yeah and they they let them go right and that's the sharks have to do that dude i i I, I really hope that that happens. It can't happen soon enough. I agree. I agree. And you're right. It's one thing that I would love. I, I don't know if it's been asked on the broadcasts or anything else, but you wonder, is this something that a defenseman or any player on the roster can compartmentalize in their mind? Can they say, okay, well, just because the goalie's terrible and giving up a lot of goals, okay, I'm going to keep my mind in the game. Or you have to think this affects the other players. Like, you know, they, they either play differently because they're trying to save the goaltender from having to make any difficult saves because they're not, or they're just sort of thinking, okay, we're probably going to lose this game because there's going to be some weak ass shot that's going to get through and it's going to score and we're going to be down and we're not going to win. You know, is there some sort of, but this team isn't that this team isn't good enough to play in the way that you described where they're just going to really button it up and, do shot prevention, yeah, right? Yeah. They, they're not good enough. They've got, you know, three veteran defensemen who are on the wrong side of their career. And they've got, you know, two young defensemen that are just figuring it out. And then you've got Shimmick, who I'm, I'm not sure what Shimmick is, you know, at, at this point, you know, he's, he's playing and then he's not, and he's playing. Is he not? We know the famous stats of how much better the sharks win percentage is when Shimmick is in, or not, I don't really see him having that kind of an impact this season. And that also is just an indictment on how fragile the Sharks' depth is at that position. Yeah. You know, that they really don't have a seventh player that they have a lot of confidence in, you know? So, I'm, all uh, I can say th- is thank God for Knizov, right? Thank God for Knizov. Who, who would be in this? Who would be in the lineup? Knizov played 1833. Last night, played more than Shimmick. Uh, he actually played 10 seconds more than Vlasic. So, you know, this guy is the number three or number four ice time getter on the defense right now. And this is a guy that came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, it's he's playing a very quiet game, but I think he is completely underappreciated by this team right now because if we had... Who knows who would who would be in that yeah. spot if it weren't for yeah, Tim Tim Heed. I mean, you, <laughs> you know, like yeah, I don't think he's underappreciated by the team. I mean, the team is is has he has leapt past 
people on the depth chart. Yes. I think, you know, to the casual NHL fan, they don't even know who this guy is. And, and, you know, for, for the Sharks, they really could use a couple other players like that. A couple other young guys to kind of come up and grab roles. Yeah. Kanishov's been great, you know, um, great in, in comparison to what our expectations were for him, which was nothing. Right. You know, so, um, that's why I, I feel like, you know, if the Sharks have any confidence in corner at all, like, you got to give him a start. Like, I mean, like the, even in, in the Kurz article, Bugner admitted that they hadn't even really considered it. Yeah. Like, so what does that say? I don't that know. That doesn't tell you. Well, it tells me that they don't think those guys are very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, you're right. Well, ouch. Wow. Well, then you need to do something. You've got to do something and find a way to address you know, a critical position because <laughs> what the Sharks options are right now are not good. You know, another area that's been not good, but I think has been better or at least has had some sort of an identity. And we saw the identity very clearly in the first Vegas game was the impact that Curtis Gabriel had on the fourth line. Yep. Dude, you, you know, I love myself a character fourth line. You, you know, do. I, 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 know. I, I love it. I love it. I love it as much as I love the Police Academy series. Like, I <laughs> love it, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, a player, I'm not saying Curtis Gabriel is the answer, right? Yeah. But he brought an element to the game beyond getting his face punched in by Ryan Reeves. Yeah. It was the physicalness. It was the intensity that, that they played with. It, it, not just that line, but just it was contagious throughout the entire game. Yep. And the Sharks need more of that. And I'm, I mean, I fully expect that now that the Vegas series is over, Curtis Gabriel will be gone again. And <laughs> like, I, I disagree with that so much like that for a team that really lacks overall team toughness. When you take away the guy who might be able to provide that in the most tangible sense, <laughs> even if it's just for four minutes, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like that. It makes an impact. It made an impact on that game, right? And he has no fear. Of course, there's not too many players in this league that are going to win a fight against Ryan Reeves, but he didn't hesitate. He went for it. They were chatting before the game, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was actually the only line that didn't get scored against uh, last night in Vegas. Uh, the fourth line and. He had uh, almost 11 minutes of ice time. Every other line got scored against. I got no problem with Curtis Gabriel. Like, there's plenty of there's other players I could see uh, that I would much uh, less have than Curtis Gabriel. He prov- he provides something positive to this team. Maybe he's not going to score a lot of goals, but at least he's providing energy in a positive way. And you know, when you look at some some other players, it's it's hard to say that. It's hard to say that. Dude, there's one thing yeah. I want to bring up here. I'm looking over, you know, Timo Meyer obviously not in the lineup last night due to a day-to-day lower body injury. We don't know the extent of that. And, but, you know, some people have said, we need to give this team over to the young guys, which I think is a very reasonable argument. But if we look at this team right now, Curtis Gabriel is 27. Okay, I, I get that. But if we look at the rest of the team, there's some pretty young players here. Um, 
you know, on this team, we have Rudolph's Balsers, who's we, who we've talked about. He's a young guy. Noah Gregor's young. Dylan Gambrell's only 24. Uh, John Leonard's only 22. Ryan Donato's only 24. Kevin LeBanks only 25. I mean, there's a fair amount of youth on this roster right now, to be perfectly honest. It's just we are obviously paying very close attention to some of these elder statesmen on the roster and guys who are arguably past, you know, your usual prime in the NHL, which at least is usually between 25 and 28 years old. You know, you talk about Evander Kane's 29, but still a very productive player. Logan Couture, 31, still very productive. But there's still quite a bit of youth on this team, dude. Are we underselling the youth aspect on the Sharks right now? Um, I, I don't know that we're underselling it. I think that there's just not, I mean, of the names that you mentioned, I mean, other than Mario Ferraro, like there's not anybody that you're like, Ooh, you know, I can't wait to see, you know, what, what Rudolph Balsers does tonight. You know, I mean, he has not been bad, No, but this, this is a, you know, Balsers is a, a borderline NHL player. Right. Like, I mean, he's not like we talked to, we've talked about this a couple of times. This is a guy we got. He was, he wasn't good enough to play for Ottawa. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. And now he's playing 12 minutes a night regularly for us. That's alarming. Like that's, that's not good when, when you've got a team that is, you know, willing to give up on a young player and just let him go for free, you know? Basically, um, the Sharks do have some some young players. And I think that we're seeing, you know, that, you know, they are not just giving Eric Carlson 28 minutes, right? Like last night, and maybe last night's not a great example because of the score kind of getting away from them. Yeah. But... You know, he did not lead the team in ice time, and there were the top four guys were really bunched up in terms of ice time. You know, he did play some shorthanded time last night, but not a ton. You know, he he isn't just getting to play the lion's share of the minutes because his last name is Carlson. Gosh, I'm looking at this. Brent Burns was a minus four last night. Oof, woof. Brutal. Ferrara minus three. Yeah. Sorry, it was, I was looking at I was sorry, I'm looking at the even strength ice time. I apologize. I see Carlson was second in overall in minutes, but um it's not so wildly out of whack like it was at times the previous seasons where they were both playing twenty eight minutes and everybody else was playing eighteen. Yeah, yeah. You know? He's not playing like somebody who deserves that, right? None of them are. So if the Sharks can continue to give Kanishov more minutes, meaningful minutes, Ferraro. I think that makes sense. You know, if John Leonard is is earning more minutes, he should play more minutes. If LeBanc is earning more minutes, he should play more minutes. Uh, you know, the the young players should get to play more in, in opportunities, not just sit around because some of these other guys have, you know, names or contracts, right? Yep. And and it goes back to Martin Jones. You have to start by making a statement with that. That will be a statement to everybody else. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or what we're paying you. If you stink, you're out. Right. 
and you're not just out. When that happens, you're out of the league. Yeah, who else is going to want him? You're out. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, the scarlet letter, right? Like you, you don't see a lot of people come back from that when they've been banished with a big contract, right? That's true. So um, giving the team over to the youth, like I think if if they had, you know, we're not, this isn't the Kings or the Ducks where they've got some real youth to like give it over to, yeah. right? And the Sharks don't have that. They don't have any high-end young players that are ready to come in other than Ferraro to grab a meaningful role. Yeah, that is and that is the downside of having all you look at all those young players and and none of those players are projected to be top performers, right? It's good that they're in the lineup. It's good that the Sharks have some young players who seem to be at least of marginal or better NHL quality, but none of those carry the expectation of being difference makers in the league, right? That's the problem. Yeah. I don't think you can say that about anybody else that the Sharks have either, right? And, and uh, certainly, you know, Ryan Merkley is the is the question mark, but I don't think we're going to see him this year. There's certainly no young forwards that are highly touted that everyone's like, yeah, this guy's definitely going to be a, a productive NHL player. That's the problem. Well, based on you know, what I can see from the stat sheet from how Ryan Merkley's doing, I don't know that we're going to see him anytime soon. Like, he's not, you know, coming close to making an impact at the AHL level, you know? Yep. I mean, in, in fairness, I mean, this, he's still young, right? Oh, yeah. But, yeah. you know, it, if you're an elite young player, you break through. Like, you you force your, you force them to play you, right? Mm -hmm. And the Sharks don't have a player like that right now at the, the Barracuda who's playing so well that you just, you can't ignore it. Like, they have to be promoted, right? That's not the case. I mean, I'm I'm looking here at the standings, and I, I mean, I'm kind of bummed that I actually looked. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's embarrassing. The Sharks are in last place behind some other really bad teams. Like, yeah. some bad teams here. And the Sharks are in last place, and they are just barely ahead of some other really bad teams. You know, I mean, they are the third worst team in the NHL right now. Yep. You know, which makes for a nice draft pick, right? Which they certainly could use, but um, that's something has to be done. They have to make an attempt to be competitive and they, they need to do something about the goaltending immediately, dude. It's got to happen. Or they're going to lose credibility with the players and the fans. Yep. One thing that may help them a little bit, dude, is uh, two of the next three games are against Anaheim, which is only just above us in the standings with a few more games played. I think on a per-game point basis, the Sharks are actually slightly better than Anaheim. Anaheim is not playing well. Uh, they have a similar uh, goals differential than we do, and they've played three more games. Um, so maybe the Sharks could, could peel off a couple against Anaheim, although they both are away games. Uh, the next game is against St. Louis and then two Vegas for two games and then two, uh, games against St. Louis. So certainly I would say, you know, five of the next seven games are against tough opponents again, right? You know, this is, this is a tough spot. And then, and starting in late March, there's going to be 
a respite, right? LA, Arizona, Minnesota, LA again, Anaheim, LA. There's certainly going to be an opportunity for the Sharks to gain some points in that stretch. But the question is, are they going to be so far out of it that it doesn't even matter? And right now they're in last place. So yeah, I, you know, let's see yeah. how they play against a not very good Anaheim team. We certainly weren't impressed earlier in the season there where they played in early February. Both games went to the shootout and they split. Not a dominating performance against not a very good Anaheim team. Um, Greg Wyshynski on ESPN uh, did a ranking of uh, of coaches' um, hot seat levels here. And uh, he places uh, Bob Bugner in the lukewarm uh, level where uh, these coaches are safe, dot, 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 maybe. Um, and his analysis here, uh, and I guess, you know, he says Bugner is reportedly signed for two more seasons. Uh, and he says, Bob Bugner is not the solution here. Even if he was, the real issue, issue is the Sharks don't even seem to understand the problem. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of goes back to what we're talking about. But let me ask you this in a wild way to end this podcast. Yeah. A coach that is on the hot seat is John Tortorella. John Tortorella. So I'm asking a crazy question, dude. Do you think the way to take this to full-blown nuclear is if the Sharks were able to bring in a Tortorella to this roster which is just sort of operating on rogue right now, right? Yeah. I mean, th- this roster is not built for Tortorella-style hockey. <laughs> no, it would be terrible. No, it's not. But I guess what I'm saying is like, I mean, I just don't... I, there hasn't been an appreciable change, right? Be, by Based on what we've seen so far from Bugner, and maybe it's not fair, but I mean, should the Sharks look at... Because you're stuck with this core roster of veterans bringing in someone like Torts who's like, you're going to do it and you're going to like it, right? <laughs> it's it's a good question. Have the Sharks ever had like a statement coaching hire, right? Because we just saw it in Calgary. They bring back Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter, obviously uh, a person who has never smiled as nearly as I can tell uh, and has a very hard-nosed reputation, will be completely straight with you, but not particularly nice about it. And the flames need some shaping up. This is a team that has greater expectations than where they are. They have a minus eight goals differential. They are in fifth place in the all Canadian division. You know, they are clearly not where they want to be. And the flames are clearly sending a very strong message saying, okay, Daryl Sutter, come on back and have the sharks. The sharks have never really done that. Have they? They've never sort of hired a coach that makes that kind of statement. I don't know if they're going to start now, but it's an inter- it'd be it'd be fun and it'd, it'd be pretty entertaining if if Tortorella came in. I agree with you, like the the roster is like the total wrong roster for that style, but it might be kind of entertaining. I might vote for it just for that. What else? What do we got to lose here? Well, I mean, I I guess that was sort of what my what my attraction was initially to the Sharks bringing in. Um, a more established coach than Bob Bugner was because you're stuck with this core of players. So you've got to try to get something out of them, right? Like you've got to try to, you know, shake them up, make them uncomfortable, like get them to play 
harder and faster and better, right? Because I think they instead went for comfort. Uh, these guys know Bugner and he'll be able to fix it because he knows these guys and that has not worked so far. I mean, if we look at the, the Sharks' history of coaches, right? Going all the way back to the beginning, George Kingston, dude. Then we got Kevin Constantine, Jim Wiley. That's a statement higher. Um, Al Sims. Al Sims. Okay. Al Sims. I mean, Daryl Sutter, before he was the coach of the San Jose Sharks, was... The coach of the uh, Calgary Flames, Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, that's, right. Right? that's right. So he was the coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, I mean, is that the closest? I mean, he really didn't have a ton of. I'm trying to see how many games he coached for the Blackhawks before he stepped down. Well, then that's not. Tr- I guess. He coached the Blackhawks for three seasons, right? Yeah. Um, and they finished in first place and lost in the opening round of the playoffs. Um, and then he stepped down to return to the family farm, right? <laughs> okay. Um, which, I mean, he had family reasons for stepping down. And then two years later, he came back to the Sharks. I mean, let's keep going. Ron Wilson... Okay, I mean, Ron Wilson was the yep. coach of the Ducks before he was yep. the coach of the Sharks. Tom McClellan, that was not a, a statement hire. I mean, Pete DeBoer uh, had gone to a Stanley Cup final. Um, but not a but, statement hire the way it would be, you know, hiring Mike Keenan or John Tortorella right, or Ken right. Hitchcock, right? A guy with a style that you point to and say, okay, that's the style the team is clearly going to be playing because that's what the coach... Wants. So then wouldn't you then say that Daryl Sutter Maybe is that Darryl. coach Maybe in San Darryl Jose Sutter. Sharks history? Because those teams definitely had his personality, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So maybe Daryl Sutter. You can make a case for Daryl Sutter. Although, like you said, he had only coached for three seasons. Um, but you know, they played like you can identify the style of Daryl Sutter in those teams. Absolutely. Right? Sure, like you sure. can identify that. It, it's tangible, right? So, anyways, dude. Um, yeah, well, we'll we'll see. I'm, I'm all eyes on the goaltending this week. We will see um, what the Sharks do if they continue to play this game with Martin Jones, or if they're just going to let Dubnik play. I'd love to see Dubnik play the next three games. Yeah. For let sure. him play them all. Yeah, all of them. Let See him play what the happens. Game. Yep. Because he was bad. I mean, he was bad last night too, right? I mean, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and didn't exactly give you a ton of confidence and, you know, saying, yeah, he's really going to be able to dig them out of this. But there's no. You got to qu- try that next. You got to at least try that next. There's no question in my mind that Martin Jones starts one of the games this week. No question. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, then that's because if 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 he hasn't gotten so disappointing sh- shipped by now, then what's going to do it? I I almost honestly, I mean, don't I, I I kind of I feel like that Vegas game that was sort of the last straw. Like, yeah, that that I don't know what what else are you waiting for? I don't right? know. I don't know. Well, dude. The season continues. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, we will keep uh, covering this uh, dumpster fire. Um, 
for as long as the puck keeps dropping, dude. Dude, I did get some. Uh, one of my sources did tell me that they saw Eric Carlson at the farmers market today. So at least he's looking for healthy food. Good for him. I hope he got a a gallon of of unpasteurized milk and kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> one of my sources. I and mean, we haven't talked about it. You know that the Sharks have two players in in, in the COVID protocols. You know, I mean, yeah. Hurdle and Marcus Sorensen. Oh, they don't seem too concerned. Um, that maybe Sorensen is just a contact tracing thing. It's kind of surprising that um, they played the Vegas games almost instantly after Sorensen going into the protocol. So he must not be testing positive, although we don't know. No, we don't know. Um, but uh, hopefully that's the end of that and that the Sharks will continue to be relatively un- unaffected by uh, COVID. Agreed, dude. So we got two very winnable games this week. Let's see if the Sharks can actually start getting some points back here after a tough stretch. I have no confidence in that. (laughs) All right, go Sharks. (laughs) Bye. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.